evening, and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Wednesday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio, the place where men and women can be at their best and everybody wins. And you know what? For Valentine's Day, we've got a very, very special show. Our guest is going to be Caitlin V. Neal. She's a sex expert, and uh, she is a rock star sex expert, counselor, relationship coach, and uh, she's going to talk to us about how to have great sex with your partner. She specializes in uh, really helping dudes out. So uh, we're going to bring her on in a few minutes. She's calling from Thailand, so I won't make her wait too long. So let me just start off the show by welcoming everybody. Uh, Again, this is Guys Guys Radio, the place where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. And I'm really looking forward to the show tonight because it is Valentine's Day. And, um, you know, the whole Guys Guys movement got started with my novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love. And it's all about love, actually. It's about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. And from that, uh, begot Guys Guys Radio. And we've been on the air for a couple of years now. This is our 262nd show. All our podcasts are available for free on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and, of course, Blog Talk Radio. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. So Valentine's Day, it's that uh, – it's that – it's that – holiday that a lot of people hate but you know what it can be a great time you can have a great time on valentine's day i think the key is i talked about it a little bit about a week ago is personalize the holiday forget about the commercialism don't get all hung up on things uh listen guys women don't like small stuffed animals so uh flowers are good jewelry's good if you've already done the deed lingerie can be good but remember that's for you fellas but uh Valentine's Day, most importantly, should be a celebration of uh, your partner. So if you just keep your partner in mind on Valentine's Day, you should be all right and do a good job. So let's just quickly talk about what's going on out there in the guys, guys world. So uh, we'll start by, uh, you know, we've got a mess in our government, of course. Uh, Everything seems to be a battle. It's so tiring and tedious. You turn on CNN or Fox, you hear the exact opposite. One station says one thing, the other says the other. And I just don't remember a time in our country where it's ever been that way. And uh, I wish there were more guys, guys and gals, gals out there in the government to really uh, serve the people instead of exploit. And uh, I think people are going to get a real, real wake-up call when they start doing their taxes. I started pulling together all my information for taxes this year and uh, you know, when the real the new tax laws kick in, it's going to be a wake up call because uh, how deductions are handled. And, uh, yeah, you might get a couple of bucks in your pocket up front from your employers. Uh, but with the standardized deductions and the fact that if you live in certain states, uh, there's certain uh, commuting costs and things like that, that you're not going to be able to uh, city state costs, that you won't be able to deduct. It's going to be tough on a lot of people and homeowners will only be able to deduct uh, I think up to $10,000 off their mortgage for uh, interest payments. And uh, that's not a lot for some of the homes people have in some of the, what they call the blue states. So we're going to see a big uh, wake up call and we'll see how people respond to that. Um, that's coming soon. Uh, elsewhere, baseball pitchers and catchers in most of the teams uh, showed up in Florida and in uh, Arizona so, you know, football ended a few weeks ago, and we're right into baseball. We've got the NBA 
rocking and rolling. Um, I know LeBron James. It's a star-driven league, and uh, LeBron James, he wanted a new team. So at the, uh, at the trading deadline, his team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, basically traded six guys, which is the most uh, I think that's ever been traded uh, at a trading deadline. And he's got a whole new starting lineup with him. Uh, it's pretty amazing uh, how the uh, NBA is doing so well. And it's doing very well with young young people, uh, particularly young boys, because uh, it's a star-driven league. You can see who the players are. They're not, you know, wearing helmets and stuff like that. So you get to know the personalities, and uh, and it's uh, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, and it's growing because you know to play basketball you need a ball and you need a hoop and not not much else. So uh, it's a game that travels very well, also. Um, whereas like American football is. It's kind of an odd game. It's very strictly American game. I know we, we're showcasing it in Europe and Mexico, but it's taken time. Baseball has traveled a lot faster. You get baseball all over the world now, Australia and Italy and Korea and Japan and uh, all over South America and the Caribbean. And it's a really a truly international sport, as is uh, soccer or uh, what they would call it, uh, football. So uh, I think uh, football is the only sport that's the biggest one in the U.S., but really has a ways to catch up. Um, what else is happening in the world out there? Um, it is. Uh, I was on the street today uh, in New York, and uh, everybody was out there selling flowers and stuffed animals and all this stuff. And there's a lot of cheese that they're selling out there. But there was some beautiful uh, flower arrangements, and everybody's asking for about 20 bucks for what you should be paying $10. But that's what Valentine's Day is, has been taken over. It's been a commercialized holiday where... Uh, there's not that much about love, but there's a lot about making a buck. And, uh, you know, cards, I went to buy my wife a card the other day. You know, she her birthday is on the 12th, and then Valentine's Day is the 14th, so I get a, I get it by – I get a double whammy. But uh, I was looking at the Valentine's Day card. The first one I picked up, it was 10 bucks. That's breaking new ground for a card, 10 bucks. Um and the, the typical ones are all like at least $7. You know, the big ones, I got a piece of plastic on it, maybe a ribbon and uh, – Nothing really that original in the cards, but uh, it's it's a racket, and uh, you better have a card, and you better have some flowers, and you better as, for starters, and then you better personalize Valentine's Day, make it about her, fellas, not about you. If you make it about her, you make this day about her, you'll get a lot of evenings about you. And we're going to be talking about that with our guest Caitlin in a few uh, few minutes. I just want to. Uh, when I get into our guide, we're going to do our guys, guys guide. We're going to take a very quick break and then we're going to bring our special guest out who I'm very excited to have with us, Caitlin V. Neal. Um, but let me uh, get serious for a moment. Um, my dad passed on Friday and I'm going to talk about the, the loss of a parent, what that means during our guys, guys guide, which comes after our guest uh, discussion. And, um, but I will, announce right now that my guy's guy of the week and really a man's man of the week is my dad. He passed at 92 years of age uh, after a three-year battle with Parkinson's and uh, it's just a horrible disease and my advice for everybody out there would be eat healthy, stay well because uh, most of these, they're finding that the gut is a second brain and that most of these autoimmune diseases are starting in the gut. And then they travel to other areas of the body. And there's so many weird things that people are eating now with the processed food and the GMOs and the pesticide sprays and the heavy metals. And then we have, you know, very, uh, there's a lot of radiation out there in the air and there's all the cell phones and all the, 
all kinds of stuff. And then all the, just, just so many things that aren't natural that are going into our systems all the time, whether it's chemtrails or whatever, that you really have to be careful and you really have to, you know, prevention is the cure. Um, cause once you start on the meds, then you've got to take, I know another person I know, he's got one set of meds and then he's got another set of meds and they give him side effects that he's got a third set of meds and it just keeps going. And then they find that some of the meds don't mix well together and then you've got a real problem, but meds are meant to medicate you and medication is to, uh, mask the, the, the discomfort and the pain, but they're not to cure you. Medication really cures you. Some antibiotics will cure you. I, uh, had got a sporadic bout at the end of the summer, believe it or not, of pneumonia. I was out running. I'm a big runner and I was out, I was doing my nine mile or down the Jersey shore on the boardwalk. And I just pulled up at the end and I was like sweaty, but I was cold and I jumped in the ocean and I came out and I'm like, I don't feel good. And I was coughing and I, I kind of had that with me for about the next, I'd say, week to 10 days where I was coughing and kind of had chills now and then. And stupidly, I did not go to the doctor right away. Finally, I got to the point where I was all coughed out and my head hurt and everything. And I was just, it was, my brain was rattled from, uh, from all the coughing. And I went to the doctor and I found out that I had uh, pneumonia. I got a chest x-ray and uh, just sporadic. So you can get sick and I had to get antibiotics. Uh, because uh, without that, you know, this is why people died at 35 back in the 1800s, because they would get one of these uh, sicknesses. And, you know, if it's viral, you, you, they couldn't kill it. So, listen, you've got to take, uh, in my opinion, and I'm no doctor and go see your physician on all this stuff. But, you know, it's really important to uh, antibiotics will kill bacteria. And if you have a bacterial or viral infection, you've got to take something for other things. You know, the best the best uh, remedy is uh, keeping yourself healthy. And the best way to keep you healthy in today's world, in my humble opinion, uh, is through proper diet, exercise, and getting a lot of rest. And, uh, and it's really challenging because if you turn on the television, you see how many commercials for McDonald's and Arby's and we got the meat and chicken, buffalo, chicken wings and there's just so many of these foods out there that, you know, it's up to you eat what you want, but um, you got to think, am I eating this for taste or am I eating this because it's good for me? And uh, that's what it comes down to. So uh, keep that in mind. So anyhow, my dad picked up Parkinson's a few years ago and uh, you, you know, you go down in stages and it gets to the point at the end where you can't swallow and then you can't eat, you can't drink and you're, and you can't walk. So the next step is if you want a feeding tube or not. Now, if you get a feeding tube, they punch a hole in your chest and feed you that way. And uh, you can hang around for a while, but is that what you want to do? So anyhow, my dad, who's a very special man, he decided enough's enough. And I uh, totally respect his decision. And I was very uh, fortunate that I had so many years with him. He lived to 92 and that I had a chance in his final days to really uh, connect with him one-on-one -on -one and thank him for being, uh, for being my dad, basically. So uh, I will get into in our uh, uh, Guys, Guys, Guide this week, later on in the show, a little bit what it means, what I learned from the, uh, losing a parent for the first time. I've been so fortunate. Uh, my mom's still alive, and uh, I'm a boomer, and I've, I've had both my parents, and so many other people have lost uh, at least one or some, many, both of their parents uh, years ago. So I've been uh, blessed and spoiled, and now I'm learning 
what happens when a, you do lose a parent and how that affects the whole family. So anyhow, thanks for bearing with me on this uh, kind of serious note. Uh, we're doing a show tonight at uh, 10 o'clock hour. Um, we usually do at 7. And again, this is our 262nd podcast. I'm very thrilled about it. Uh, the guy's guy of the week, once again, is my dad, Serge Manny. And um, we're going to take a very, very quick break. And then we're going to come back with our special guest, Caitlin V. Neal. Okay, we're back. Welcome back to Guys Guys Radio. As I mentioned, we've got a special show. Let's talk a little bit about our guest, Caitlin. Uh, she's calling us from Thailand, and we'll find out if that's business or pleasure. Even if it's business, it's hard not to have pleasure in Thailand. It's such an amazing country. Uh, one thing I learned when I was there is that it's 82 degrees every day of the year there, uh, and it's a, it's a wild country because it was never colonized. You get off the plane, and uh, there's you know apartments right right next to the airport. There's no zoning or anything, and then you have to to haggle for everything with using your bots. B-A-H-T is the currency. And, you know, you start with a hundred bot and you work your way up or down and uh, there's all different ways. You can take a taxi, you can take a tuk-tuk, which is on those three wheelers, uh, or there's a guy, you can take the one where the guy kind of pulls you around. So uh, there's beautiful people there and uh, there's a lot of sex there too. And uh, there's some great Thai food. And uh, the, the food there is much better than it, here, it is here in the States. And, uh, and there's, it's, it's, it's a very, very fascinating uh, land, and you can get to go see a lot of the temples, the wats, they are called, and see some of the, the sleeping Buddha and the lying Buddha. And it's really uh, it's a great experience to get there, so I can't wait to talk to Caitlin about that. But about her, uh, from a young age, uh, she knew she was going to help people have amazing sex and relationships. And today, she combines these skills with life experience, intuitive knowledge, and uh, endless fascination to help people create massive shifts in their lives. If you want to give us a call and ask a question and keep it clean, please. Uh, uh, 347-945-5834. Um, let me see what else I can say about Caitlin Hearn. She has a website. We'll get into that. Let her talk about it. Um, uh, and she's got a famous YouTube channel and you can find her on YouTube by searching Caitlin V. That's Caitlin C-A-I-T-L-I-N-V. And uh, she's got some uh, really cool videos there on YouTube. Uh, what else can I say? She's based in uh, Chicago. She works with clients all over the world. Uh, part of her goal is to end premature ejaculation. Hallelujah, guys. Uh, prevent erectile dysfunction. Another hallelujah. And develop unshakable confidence. And so she focuses a lot on helping guys out. She wants to combine personal experience. Uh, she combines personal experience, evidence-based science, and a pinch of magic in her coaching and again, her mission is to create a sex and pleasure positive world. I love that. And her motto is better sex, a better life. Just like Guy's Guy is, better men, better world. So let's bring her on right now. Caitlin V. Neil. Good evening. Welcome to Hello. Guy's Guy's Radio. Hey, how Hi, are Robert, you? Thank you so much for having me. Well, listen, I uh, am, I'm well, as thrilled. You mentioned. Oh, sorry. Yeah, You're as you mentioned, I am in Thailand right now. So it is hard not to be uh, amazing. I am sitting on the edge of one of the most beautiful beaches I have ever seen. I am doing fabulously. Thank you for asking. So are you getting some pleasure in along with the business or is it strictly a pleasure trip? <laughs> um, I'm actually here for a wedding, a destination wedding for my wow. very closest friends. 
Um, so it's mostly pleasure, but, uh, as you know, in the business of helping people, it's kind of, um, it's something that I do always. It's something that I was really born to do. So it's not something that I turn on and off. I'm kind of always, uh, right. always well, in start, business. Let's start there, Caitlin. Um, you say, you know, you were born to do this and I think your, your goal is a very noble one and it helps people and particularly it helps guys. What, why do you feel that's your calling and, uh, how did you kind of get started? Uh, yeah, so I knew from a really young age because I would be in these, like, you know, uh, public school sex ed classes, which were pretty rough, actually. Um, you know, a lot of, like, disease and how to avoid pregnancy. And even then, I was like, this is what I've got to do. I want to do this. I want to help people navigate this stuff. I was like a little sponge. I used to sit at the bookstore uh, back when we still had bookstores. Uh, and go to the like adult section and just read, just just sit there and absorb all the information I could. It was just never even a question in my mind. This is what I was going to do. When I started coaching, um, because before I was a scientist, I was a research scientist. I worked for Indiana University, the University of Texas, the Texas State Legislature, always doing sexual health-related research. Um, and then I left that because I didn't have enough actually face-to-face contact with people. Um, And I really felt that I could have a much bigger impact working one-on-one. So I started Mm -hmm. coaching. And when I started coaching, I, one of my very first clients actually was this young man who had, um, he was really suffering from premature ejaculation. And he was, you know, this young, good looking dude. And he wasn't dating. He was afraid to approach women all because of what might happen when he got, if he got into bed with them. And after working with him for a little bit, he insisted that he meet me in person. He also lived in Chicago. He insisted. So I was a little nervous, but I agreed. I said, okay, we can meet somewhere in public and had him meet me at a park by my house. And wouldn't you know, this young guy shows up (laughs) with all these gifts for me. I'll never forget it because I spotted him across the park carrying this huge cooler full of frozen watermelons. (laughs) <laughs> that he had cut up he, he cut up frozen watermelon a bunch of treats and everything for me and he brought me all of that and then like a hundred dollars cash tip which I wasn't charging that much at the time so that was like a pretty big tip um and all he could say to me was you changed my life you changed my life and I, I'll never be able to thank you enough and that was his way of expressing it and I thought at that moment this is what I've got to do you know premature ejaculation a lot of men suffer from it. A lot of people don't talk about it. Men don't know that there's a, a way to deal with it. Um, and so I really saw a need. And I, for me, it's easy. I love doing it. I love talking to men about this kind of stuff. So that is how I landed on this as my uh, – and that's how I landed with men uh, in particular and focusing on them. Now, why do you think uh, – kind of a two-sorted, uh, two-edged question here. Why, why – is this, in your opinion, is this a new issue, and uh, why do you think it's such a big deal now? And particularly with a lot of young guys, is it just a lack of experience, or is it stress, or what's your kind of uh, 30,000-foot uh, uh, perspective on uh, why premature ejaculation seems to be in the uh, cultural nomenclature now? Mm. I think a big factor is actually the rise of pornography. Um, and the availability of pornography. And I think that this does two things. Premature ejaculation Mm -hmm. is really closely tied to anxiety. It's it's almost like an experience of anxiety in the body, right? And the reason that I see a connection between that and porn is that if you 
grew up watching porn, which remember men that are in their early 20s today have had essentially cell phones where they could access graphic sexual material mm-hmm. their entire life from before puberty uh, all the way to in their dating and, and where they are today. And that does a couple things. First, it creates really unrealistic expectations, right? I mean, you, you're only watching yes. porn, then you probably think that you're not very adequate, your member's too small, you're, how are you going to please women for hours on end? Uh, and that provokes a lot of anxiety. Uh, and the other thing is that it conditions young men when they're first becoming uh, um, sexually active with themselves, right, when they're first discovering kind of self-pleasuring. Uh, it conditions them to have a lot of really graphic material as um, kind of like inspiration, right? And so mm-hmm. when they get to be in bed with a real person, when they're really right there with a real woman in front of them, the experience is very different from how they've been practicing. And as you know, you have to practice how you play. Mm-hmm. So I think that those are, that's one of the major factors. Uh, and I think that's why it really is impacting young men. But I work with men all across the age spectrum. Uh, one of my uh, most recent clients is about 43 years old uh, when we stopped working together. And he had suffered from premature ejaculation ever since a particularly rough divorce uh, just a couple years prior. And so it's something that men can actually start to experience later in life, too. So it's not just the, uh, not just the younger generation. What do you think of, uh, you know, the kind of practice makes perfect? So if a guy's been kind of out of circulation a little bit and he's been, uh, you know, pleasuring himself to uh, images uh, online or whatever, and then he gets a real woman there and, uh, you know, is he, has, his, uh, has he been sensitized to, uh, uh, so that he's uh, more apt to uh, come faster? That is a great question, and it's going to depend a little bit on the circumstances for each guy. Sure. You know, later in life, you're not worried that your mom or grandma or dad is going to bust in on you, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so you're probably not putting that same pressure on yourself to finish as quickly as possible. But that said, you know, we prize efficiency. You know, not everybody's got time to just, like, sit around and <laughs> play with themselves, literally. Uh, and so I think that a lot of people do become conditioned to getting to the point, you know, getting to the end as quickly as possible. That kind of becomes the motto. So you do that over and over and over again. And, yes, you are practicing how you play. The good news there is that you have control over how you practice. So if you are conscious about that, you know kind of uh, what you're doing, you can use specific practices. You can uh, become really intentional in the way that you view pornography. You know, I don't necessarily recommend that everyone stop using pornography, um, but they become more intentional in the way that they're doing it. You know, instead of kind of mindlessly clicking and watching whatever shows up, you know, how are mm-hmm. you, how are you watching it? How are you engaging in that uh, activity? And then of course, if you know that you've got a date coming up or you sense that you're starting to develop a relationship, then you can also change your, uh, your, your practicing habits, so to speak. Okay. Uh, what, uh, Let's talk about pornography a little bit more in the different types. I mean, there's some pornography, and everybody has their own, you know, their own taste. But there's, you know, men doing it with women, and then there's just uh, women doing it with women, and then there's just uh-huh. women. And the guys are pretty visual and like all things. And like, you know, some guys they don't want to see some other guy having sex with a woman. That doesn't turn them on. They want to be the one having mm-hmm. sex with that woman. So is there is uh, the differentiation between? Uh, uh, hetero, watching heterosexual sex, watching uh, two women get it on, and then just different types of women uh, alone. 
does that impact their uh, ability, in your opinion, for uh, having a sexual uh, satisfaction on uh, with their partners in real life? Or is it all well, the same? It's just, uh, it's just a mental thing. Hmm. I think that they are... So it's a little bit of category A and a little bit of category B. If we're talking a little bit about feeling anxiety or feeling inadequate, right, kind of some of those roots of anxiety, um, feeling like you're not big enough or you don't last long enough or you don't have the porn star body or whatever. You know, porn stars tend to be, male porn stars especially, tend to be really physically fit, and they tend to be pretty uh, far outliers in the uh, size category, right? Mm -hmm. So if you take the men out of your viewing material, then you're not – comparing yourself to this guy who is, you know, so far away from average. Uh, So that might be beneficial in some way. But on the other hand, I think that porn is porn is porn. Watching sexually graphic stuff uh, does the same thing to your mind. And it's really about your body's reward system more than anything else. So in that way, porn kind of is all the same um, because it's all about the way that you train your brain to respond to that sexually graphic material and to respond to having an orgasm. But I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. Do you think that there's a major difference between those two categories? Uh, In terms of how it impacts your uh, sexual abilities as a guy? Yeah. Um. No, I think I, I would agree that, you know, porn is porn is porn. I'm just trying to get a ha- handle from a female perspective and a professional's perspective as to, you know, kind of what is porn. For me personally, I don't really like to watch a, a man getting it on with a woman. That doesn't turn me on. I'm like, I want her. What do I want to watch him for? That's some guy I've seen in the <laughs> locker room. I've played sports my whole life. I'm not turned. I'm sorry. I'm not turned on by guys. I can appreciate a guy with a great body and, uh, you know, who's a great athlete and all of that. But I, I, I want, I want, like, I don't like to get a lap dance. If I, I don't like to go to strip clubs personally because uh, I don't want to watch. I want to, I want to get it on. Um, so that's just me. Um, but, you know, if I, if I go online and I'll, you know, it's like Instagram is like porn to me. It's like porn yeah. nowadays doesn't have to be two people copulating. It's a, uh, it's, you know, you, you look at some of the girls with their, you know, fitness stuff on, on, on uh, Instagram and uh, God bless them. They're gorgeous. But it's like, yeah. there's no filter. It's like, look at yeah. my ass. And <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> so I can understand how guys get sucked in by that. And what I would find is that, you know, if you're a guy and you're constantly masturbating and then you want to get it on with a woman, uh, you know, offline, um, you might be a little sensitized and that might add to, mm-hmm. you know, there's the anxiety, which could be performance anxiety in terms of just getting it up, but also without, you know, having to go through some ritual. But the other thing is that you be, might have made yourself, you're physically so sensitive that you're going to ejaculate more quickly. So I, don't, I wonder if you factor mm-hmm. that stuff in because it's all related to anxiety, but also there's a physical aspect to it. Like if you're masturbating all the time, you're going to be pretty, you're either going to be pretty sensitive or pretty insensitive. Yes. Yeah. And there's also a, a kind of a new uh, distinction uh, that's been made recently. Uh, it's porn induced erectile dysfunction. 
And I, mm-hmm. I want to caution, it's not like, we, we throw these terms around, right? Erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation. These can actually be diagnosed conditions. What I'm talking sure. about is when people self-diagnose, right? right? And, and they're not yeah. wrong to do that, right? I always say the definition of premature ejaculation is reaching ejaculation before you and your partner were ready. It's such a right. you know, for some people, mm-hmm. 10 minutes is perfectly fine. And for some people, 10 minutes feels premature. Uh, and on well, the other hand, the... you're so right. Oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, no, you go. Uh, that you can also do the opposite, where being in bed with a real woman is not nearly as exciting as porn. It's different than porn. It's kind of different than the way that you've been practicing, and therefore your body doesn't react, and you don't become erect when you're in bed with a woman. So it's a double-edged sword. It can, it can go both ways. So what do you hear from women about this whole porn issue? Because... You know, I know some women like porn, and uh, you always read that, like, yeah, women are into it too. But I got, I kind of think that, you know, it's more of an issue for men. And it, 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 first of all, is that true? And your, from what your experience, and secondly, do women think about this whole thing with young guys in porn? Mm. So I do they feel that they have to really, uh, you know, tart it up for the guys now? They have to like, okay, I'm an Instagram model. Here I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean. I think so. I think I think that there is a lot of pressure on women in particular to uh, make sex into a performative act. So mm-hmm. uh, there's this kind of sense, this word, uh, spectatoring, right? When you're having sex, are you thinking about the sex that you're having from inside of your body and having an embodied experience, which really is, you know, that's what sex is. It's mm-hmm. something that happens in your yeah. body. Right. Um, or are you thinking more about how you look? So we're seeing more and more women reporting that they're not experiencing pleasure during sex. And when we dig down into it and ask them more about what, you know, what is your experience when you're in a sexual encounter? Well, they tend to say things like, oh, I was really worried about how I looked. Um, You know, I really Mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that my, my, my angles were good. My butt looked good. I arched my back. Right. And when you're thinking about all of those things, you can't also be thinking about the pleasure that you're feeling uh, with a sensation of your partner's fingertips brushing your chest. Those are things that really require you to be present. Uh, And when you're thinking about how you look, you can't really be present. And I think that has been a side effect of porn. But a lot of the women that I work with, um, people that come, women who come to me to work with a coach uh, are actually having problems experiencing orgasm or experiencing pleasure during Hmm. sex, right? And a lot of them are using porn to become aroused and to masturbate more so than, you know, what I perceived anyways, when I was first coming into my sexual thought, right. uh, you know, I'm, I'm 29. So I've had the internet, I had access to pornographic material, basically my entire adult life. I don't think that it was as common. Uh, in fact, I know that it was not nearly as common as it is today, but I think a lot of women are looking to porn to become aroused and, you know, that certainly works for some women. What, kind, what kind of porn so. do they like? What do the ladies like to turn them on? I know everybody's different, but in general. Well, as a rule, right, we would say that women tend to be more um, context-driven, right? So for me personally, uh, when I go to, uh, like, consume pornographic material, right, if I just turn on a video and it's two people having sex, they're like, yeah, there's something about it that is intriguing and interesting and might be a little arousing or stimulating to me. But for the most part, it brings up a lot of questions in my <laughs> mind. Like, I want to know, right. how do these people know each other? How do they get there? <laughs> you know, is this, yep. is this porn that's, like, healthy in their relationship? Or did they just meet? Is this a one-night stand? But that's how my brain works, right? I'm a sex and relationship coach. So I, I'd almost be worried if my brain didn't go there. 
Uh, I think that women are consuming all different kinds of porn. And, you know, actually, interestingly enough, I speak to a lot of heterosexual women and queer women, too, lesbian and bisexual women. uh, And I'm bisexual, so I, I fall into this category, who enjoy watching gay male porn. I mean, a lot yeah, of people yeah, who are non-binary. I, I, I have a friend who, like, let's, a woman, and she's like, and she's straight, and she's like, let's get the girls over. You know, we get together and watch male porn. I'm like, really? <laughs> and some of the women, though, they said, you know, who were invited, they told me, they're like, no way, I'm not into that. But some of them were like, yeah, let's watch the boys. So what's that all about? <laughs> I think one of, the, one of the things that comes up for me is that it's about the uh, power inferred in the relationship that you're watching right so Mm -hmm. sometimes when we're watching uh women who tend to be like young women uh in porn we have asked these other questions right like how did she end up here does this what she wants to be doing was there some kind of force or coercion and you know of course I like to think that that's not the case in most pornography. Certainly a lot of the pornography, there's a lot of competition um, to become a porn star. And so I think for women, they kind of have to want it. Right. But you also see other examples like uh, that. There was a show on Netflix not that long ago. I think it was called hot girls wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, You see a lot of examples of kind of women like being pressured into this industry. Plus as a woman, sometimes watching uh, uh, porn that's a little bit more extreme, uh, maybe a little bit violent. And again, like the, I, I'm not passing judgment. There's nothing wrong with any right. porn at all out there, except for you know if someone's not consenting to being in it, I right. suppose, or what's happening in it. But outside of that, like my gosh, the world is your oyster. Have at. Um, but sometimes as a woman, you're kind of looking at this, going, oh, I don't, I don't know if that would feel particularly good if that was happening to me. Um, I don't know that that really turns me on. And when you see these two mm-hmm. men, it's strictly erotic you really get the sense that there's an equal power relationship between them because they're both men um you know it's easier to imagine at least to fill in the plot line behind it saying you know okay these are both consenting men they both wanted to be in this porn they're both enjoying their time together i don't know that any of that is true uh this is really just my best guess as to why Mm -hmm. that becomes so um erotically exciting and arousing uh, for a heterosexual woman got it how about all this uh you know, pegging is a big deal now. Is like, is like the ladies nowadays. Like, you know, once I peg him, he's mine. Is it that? Is that? Is it that prevalent now? Or <laughs> I don't know. I've not, I've not heard like that. That pegging is claiming, kind of like uh, claiming your territory. Um, I think pegging is gaining in popularity, which I'm actually pretty glad about, actually, uh, to be totally honest. I think that men's anuses have really not gotten the care the attention that they deserve for the okay. incredible like erotic and arousing power that they have not for women not for us for you mm-hmm. for men right. um, because here you have this like really densely packed center of nerves really close to your genitals and it can feel really great to be stimulated and by the way for men just a couple inches inside you have a prostate that feels really wonderful to be stimulated and this, this whole area has been kind of, like, blocked off, right? Our culture has said, like, no, A, that's dirty, because we live in a culture where, like, all of our bodily functions, really, we consider to be, like, dirty. Poop especially. We're like, that's shameful. That's <laughs> gross. It carries diseases. Right? I'm in Thailand right now, and you've been to Thailand, so you know that actually toilet paper isn't as popular here as uh, using a sprayer, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, cleaning yeah, off right. with water, washing with one of your hands. 
my my like a mid I'm from the Midwest. My little like Midwestern self was like, <laughs> oh oh my gosh, you don't use toilet paper, right? And here I am. I'm a sex and relationship coach. I encourage people to like touch their butts all the time. And right. my first reaction was like, oh, that's kind of gross. So we have to, first of all, check a lot of the assumptions that we've made uh, about anuses, about like really what they're for and what they can be used for and how does it feel and what does it mean, right? We have a lot of connections between gay men and anuses and like butt play is only for gay men. Um, And yet, if you looked statistically at the number of people across the entire world who are engaging in anal sex, the majority of them are heterosexual couples. Mm-hmm. Right? Heterosexual couples make up over 90% of all of the couples out there. Uh, they're the ones who are having the most anal sex. So anyways, uh, the long true. story short is that I think that uh, men have been really missing out. There's like a great opportunity for pleasure. There's a great opportunity for trying things that you haven't tried before. Um, and it's all like, it's all right there. You came packaged with this pleasure center. Uh, it would be a shame for you not to at least explore it. And if I can say one other note on that, uh, men who are looking to deepen their understanding of of their sexual partner, right? So men who are having sex with women who are looking at your looking at your woman and saying like, man, I, there's something here that I'm not understanding. I wish that I could like understand what sex was like for you, so that I could be a better lover, so I could be more compassionate, so that I could like just uh, connect with you deeper. One of the things that um, I, I have other like male to- tantra coaches. Um, and uh, male sex coaches who I have worked with, and they recommend to men that they actually do insert a finger into their anus as a way of understanding a little bit better what it feels like to be penetrated. Because men have no idea, right? Your, your lived experience, your bodily experience is really different than mine. I have no idea what it feels like to have, uh, have like genitals that penetrate, right? But I, I do know what it feels like to be penetrated. And that's right. an experience that I really can't share with my male lover. I can't say like, oh, this is what it feels like. This is why, this is why I need a warm up. This is why foreplay is so important because once you try it out yourself, your empathy, your understanding, how you experience your being with a woman is totally going to change. So even if you just do it one time in your life, and the only reason you do it is because you want to understand what it feels like to be a woman, to have sex as a woman, I highly mm-hmm. suggest that you give that a try. Excellent. Um, I was watching one of your videos, a couple of them today, and uh, one of them was about uh, here's the you know, foolproof way it works every time of making sure that you don't have premature ejaculation, and it was keep your pants on. And uh, so <laughs> I just want you to talk about that a little bit if I didn't give it away. And uh, also, um, what do you do then? You know, uh, I've been with, with women, and they, like, they start taking your pants off, and so how do you keep your uh, pants on if your partner wants your pants off? Sure, perfect. So to, I'll go I'll kind of answer your questions in reverse. So the way that you yeah. keep your pants on or just try to get your pants off is you kind of shoo her hands away from her, away from there, and you take charge Ooh. of the situation, right? Which is what, uh, uh, yeah, for the most part, I don't want to make a vast generalization here, but I think a lot of women are looking to your man to kind of take charge in the sexual situation. That doesn't mean that all of us want to be dominated. That means that all of us want to be taken on a journey, right? We want to be, uh, when we're having sex with a man, we want to be, led we want to be taken somewhere right we want you to create an experience for us and part of that is setting some of the boundaries of that experience and you know kind of as a correlative to that if you say no i don't want you to take my pants off you're saying no right you gotta respect no means no get your hands out of there so going back (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, if you really had to uh, <laughs> break it down. The reason that I made that video and the reason that this uh, advice is so crucial for men to understand is keeping your pants on is what allows you to really dig into her pleasure, right? We talked a little bit just now about foreplay and the importance of foreplay. Women's bodies need sometimes up to 20 minutes of arousal, of of time, being aroused, intentionally arousing, before they are ready to be penetrated at all. And men, you know, because of their their uh, their biology are like I'm not aroused and then I'm aroused like I can I'm not ready to go and then I'm ready to go right and as as little as you know 30 seconds they can be ready women we, our bodies just require a lot more time and if you keep your pants on then there's no kind of distraction there's no kind of okay I got to give attention to myself to my own pleasure to my own body right my own like needs right instead your pants are on there's no you know you might be becoming erect you may be getting aroused. Uh, but there's no pressure to do anything about it. And when there's no pressure to do anything about that, then you're able to focus 100% of your attention and efforts on arousing your partner. You buy mm-hmm. yourself 10, 15, 20 minutes of that, and you can focus on all kinds of different things, right? Uh, my friend Tripp calls it the uh, target technique, right? So you imagine like the different rings of a target, and you mm-hmm. start in the outer ring. So these are things that we don't necessarily see as, uh, as sexual organs. That could be like, ears, arms, hands, feet, right? And then you move inward towards the mm-hmm. center of the target, which would be nipples, uh, right. or, or like breasts into nipples, um, uh, vulva into actual penetration, like a clitoris being the center of the target. So you start on the outside and you work your way slowly towards the center of the target. Leaving your pants on just, just takes away the one major distraction that both of you will have that will prevent you from taking your time and slowly approaching the target. Okay, good answer. Um, you mentioned uh, in some of the notes I've been going over here, confidence is an issue, anxiety is an issue. So what, what, what do you, uh, how do you coach guys to, you know, to, since a lot of it's in your head, your brain is a big sexual mm-hmm. organ in a lot of ways, as we know. How, do you, how can guys be more confident and less anxious in the, in the bedroom? Mm. With their pants off. Practicing. <laughs> with their pants off. So part, part of it is practice, right? Part of it is just doing the, the homework, the solo work, so that when you get with another person, when you get with a partner, you know that you know what you're doing, right? It's the same way as it works anywhere else. You know, you mentioned basketball earlier, right? I mean, think about how, much pra- how many hours of practice LeBron James puts in before you ever see him on television. Right. I mean, every single day. And this is this is the guy who's the best. Right. If you think of anybody didn't need to practice, he probably doesn't need to practice. Right. But he does. Um, And that way he's confident when he hits the court that he knows exactly where he's going to put the ball and when and uh, and where his teammates going to be, too. Right. So part of it is just practice. And then the other thing is like sexual confidence is really similar to other areas of confidence. Right. So if you're confident in your business why is it that you're confident in your business right uh it's because you seek information right you know where to go if you don't know the answer you know where to go get it sex is shrouded in mystery for a lot of us right we don't really know where those resources are where we can go learn more and gather information there's not a ton of spaces where you can just have open conversations with your buddies about hey man i'm struggling with this have you ever dealt with that right Mm -hmm. If you're uh, confident in another area of your life, if you're, maybe you're confident like with your family, you're confident with your children, you're confident that you're a great dad, right? Why are you confident that you're a great dad? Well, probably through some trial and error, probably because you devoted some time and energy into figuring out how to be that dad, 
right? So the, the, the practices are essentially the same. But what I do as a coach, I think the most important part of my job is that I believe in people. Like, I have seen the most amazing transformations for men who felt like they were literally a shell of themselves. I, you know, I mentioned earlier I had a, a client who went through an awful divorce that just left him feeling hollow um, and really doubting his capacity to be a lover. Uh, and we worked together. We did some serious work, and he put in the time. He, he practiced. He, he worked on the things that I asked him to work on. And 90 days later, he called me, and he's like, I've never had sex this long before. I've never made a woman orgasm like this before. I feel like a porn star. I feel like I got my manhood back. This woman is like absolutely rocked by me. Uh, he, I, I don't know. I don't want to like go too far. I think uh, we kind of addressed some stuff that was already. No, okay. So uh, Caitlin, like, let's say uh, a guy, a guy, uh, uh, here's the conundrum. I think a lot of guys face, they, they don't, let's say a guy doesn't get enough dates and then he gets a date and he has problems. Either he comes too fast or whatever. And then he doesn't have, he doesn't have the opportunity of practicing on a willing partner. And so he has to practice mm-hmm. on himself and his uh, esteem mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. You know, it kind of is a snowball thing and it's, it's a rut. It's kind of hard to get out of that. Cause I think that's what, ha- you know, if you have a partner who's willing to like, you're comfortable that she's not going to give you the boot or anything. If you don't, you know, a lot of times when you make love to somebody the first time, it's not the best that it's ever going to be. Sometimes it sure. is. It's random. You never know. It could get, you know, a lot of times your sexuality and the connection between two people gets better and better and better or, or not mm-hmm. it could go the other way. Mm-hmm. But for, for a lot of guys, I think out there, you know, they, let's say guys who have problems getting dates and then they finally get a woman in bed and then they come too fast and then she's like mm-hmm. yawn and uh, because she can get it mm-hmm. when she wants. And then the, and the guy, he, then his confidence is shot because then he has to woo another woman and by the time he gets her in bed again, he'll have masturbated a hundred times or something. And mm-hmm. the whole problem keeps, uh, it's a, you know, it's a snowball effect. So how do you... Uh, guide somebody like that because i think a lot of a lot of young men uh, run into that situation it's not like all these young guys are, are getting laid all the time uh i don't yeah. i don't uh, some of them are you know it's like the one percenters like some of them are getting it all the time and there's a lot of guys who aren't getting too much it's like yeah yeah the one percenters i like that a lot uh yeah so practice starts with you your sexuality starts with you you had your sexuality before you ever had a partner and you'll have it in between partners and it's the one thing that is consistent right you always have yourself and that is why i recommend practicing by yourself um changing the way that you masturbate so that when you are in bed with a woman a you're confident because you've been doing this right for men let's say someone's 25 years old uh, they've got at least 10 years of practice masturbating, maybe more. Uh, and that whole time, their entire adult life, their entire like sexuality has included porn. Right? Mm-hmm. And got they've it. been masturbating one way. And for a lot of that time, they were afraid that mom or dad or someone with an older sister was going to like bust in on them while they were masturbating. So for 10 years, their entire adult life, they've been jacking off as fast as they can to whatever kind of material that they liked to watch. So maybe that was like gangbangs, maybe that was criminal, maybe it was public sex, whatever it was. But they had like a whole category, a whole library of whatever specific sex acts that they wanted to see with like a whole multitude of different women acting it out. And this is the conditions under which they have practiced a decade. 
And then suddenly they go on a date with a woman, and when the rubber hits the road, when they're, like, in there with a real person, it doesn't work out the way that they were hoping, right? You've got to undo 10 years, your entire adult life of conditioning. You know, that's something that takes a little bit of time, doesn't happen overnight. And the instructions, the work that I do with men is really a lot about undoing that conditioning. Um, One of the main focuses of my coaching is exactly that. Uh, changing the way that you practice so that you can change the way that you play. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, last question for you, Caitlin. I'll let you get back to the beach. And thank you so much. What time of day is it there, by the way? It is uh, 1048 a.m. Oh, so fantastic. I've got a full day so of beach ahead of me. Yeah. All right. This last question. And I think this is an important one because uh, a lot of people, when they get married or in long-term live-in uh, relationships, uh, you know, they might not be, particularly if they have kids, they're not, uh, you know, sex kind of falls by the wayside a little bit because everybody's got all these mm-hmm. tasks and everything. And, and uh, what do you, how do you uh, uh, counsel uh, people who've been in these long-term relationships or, you know, a lot of times a woman uh, after the, having the kid or the kids and the oxytocin goes towards the, you know, the child mm-hmm. instead of the husband. And mm-hmm. how, do, how do, what's, because that's a real issue, I think, out there that nobody oh, talks yeah. about. Because as a guy, mm-hmm. I know I have a lot of married friends. I don't know how much they're getting it on or all of that, but nobody, none of the guys, they don't talk about that with each other. Hey, I'm not getting sex at right. home. They'll, they'll just go and sneak around on their own and do what they have to do. Uh, but they yeah. don't, you know, guys don't share that. Yeah, yeah. So how do I counsel um, uh, p- people in long-term relationships where yes. the intimacy mm-hmm. is not there? So I actually really liked uh, some of the things that you wrote on your blog about Fanning the flames of intimacy, right? So the first thing that we have to do is just appreciate that intimacy is something that it's, it is like a fire, right? We can't expect it to go from this like little ember to this full burning bonfire overnight just because we wish it was. It takes work. It takes work. Uh, you know, I talk to a lot of the people who I work with uh, either own their own businesses or have a lot of like ambition for themselves. And I ask them, you know, when's the last time that you read a book or watched an online course or worked with a coach on business? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah, I got a coach right now. I read a book last week and I'm on this seminar. I do this program. I'm like, great. When's the last time you read a book or worked with a coach on a relationship? Never. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Once once in my early 20s, once because my wife demanded that I do, right? We expect in the narrative in our culture is that sex comes naturally, right? If it's a good fit, it just comes naturally. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Sex takes work. Relationships Mm -hmm. take work. There's nothing wrong with that. That's very true. They're no like anything. Yeah, they're just like everything else. If you want to be good at it, if you want to get a lot of benefit from it, you want to have the best one that you can have, you got to put in some time. Uh, and that can be working one-on-one with a coach. That can be reading some of the amazing books and resources that are out there. You know, if, you, if you're in that category, men listening, uh, I highly recommend Esther Perel. Um, she wrote an excellent book called Mating in Captivity. It's exactly on this subject, right? How do I fan the flames of intimacy? And mm-hmm. one of the things that, um, that I like to highlight, you know, just a, a, like the, the tip of the iceberg here, is novelty. Right? You've got to shake things up. Women's sexual arousal is so much about novelty and so much about breaking out of the routine. Uh, men's is a little bit different. Men can be in a routine, and that's fine. It works for them, and they really enjoy it. Women's arousal needs to be really shaken up uh, and introducing new things, new places, new settings. You know, A lot of the couples that I work with, you know, things are pretty dull at home, and then they have to go you know, say to Thailand, and all of a sudden they're in a hotel and it's got some mirrors on the walls and sex is magical and wonderful again and they're connecting again, right? 
Uh, and that's all about novelty and introducing new and different things. And that can be really hard, as you said, especially when you've got young children. And not just the oxytocin, but the need for physical touch, uh, right. the need for one-on-one time, right? A lot of that can be met with uh, w- when you have an infant or a toddler, a young child. And in those instances, both the man and the woman in the relationship have got to put in some work. They've got to put in some work. There's no shortcuts in relationships, but I swear, and I think you know this and your listeners know this as well, when your relationship is working, when sex is good, when intimacy is good, oh, there is like no better feeling in this world. Yep, that's true. Okay, <laughs> so. fantastic. So listen, I want to let you get going, but uh, first tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and take advantage of some of your uh, uh, courses. Yes, so you can find me on my website, CaitlinVNeal.com. That's C-A-I-T-L-I-N, V as in Victor, N-E-A-L.com. And I set up a uh, website for listeners of Guys Guy Radio. I want to give everyone listening a free hour, a free one-hour coaching session with me. Um, And you can get that by going to my website, CaitlinVNeal.com slash Guys Guy. And then, as you mentioned, you can find me on YouTube by searching for Caitlin V. Fantastic. Well, listen, uh, thank you so much for uh, calling in from Thailand on your, uh, you know, on your destination wedding. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners did too. And uh, you've been a great guest. So I really appreciate it. And it's a pleasure meeting you. And uh, let's talk again sometime. Thank you, Robert. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye. All right. Be well. Enjoy yourself. Okay, folks, our special guest. Caitlin V. Neal. We thank her for being on Guys Guys Radio. We're going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back and do the uh, Guys Guys Guide. Okay, we're back on Guys Guys Radio. Um, I told you I was going to do the Guys Guys Guide and uh, we will do that now. Um, I had mentioned to you about my dad passing and I think, uh, you know, one of the biggest things I learned, um, well, you, of course you learn a lot when you go through a, a funeral for a very close relative because you see the whole family uh, dynamic and behavior and all. And it's, uh, it wasn't, this time it wasn't exactly in my, what I expected in my mind's eye, but I might've been on a different timeline when I experienced what I thought I was going to experience because I did not experience that. Um, And I don't mean to be cryptic, but I always thought it would be like, I'd be with my mother and my brother and my mom would say, well, your dad loved his son so much and didn't work out like that. Um, there was a lot of people who are kind of in like stunned, like uh, shock. And uh, I was, uh, I gave the eulogy and I put some emotion into it. And uh, one or two people came up to me and said, you know, thank you for doing that because, you know, we had to make a, put a human face on this thing because uh, a lot of people, their emotions get kind of constipated in today's world where they don't know how to express themselves. They detach themselves and they, they push off feelings. And, uh, it's important to, uh, you can't fight feelings. You have feelings and the only thing we can really control is our behavior. So, um, it's okay to have any type of feelings and any type of thoughts. It's what you do with them that counts. So that comes in times of joy and times of indulgence and in times of uh, in grief. So uh, I just decided I was going to lay it out. If I cried, I cried. If I didn't, I didn't. And uh, I just let my emotions uh, do their thing. I figured, hey, it's my dad. So what else did I learn? Well, I learned that um, the, how fortunate I was that I had my dad for so many years 
and that I had a chance for closure uh, at the end. I knew he was going to pass, but it always is at the time you weren't expecting it necessarily. And so I made sure that in his final months and weeks and days and time I spent with him that I uh, did some energy work with him to uh, help him with his discomfort and also uh, had a chance and I made sure I did it a couple of times because I want to make sure it sinks in because when you have Parkinson's, sometimes you get a little bit, um, it's a little bit of dementia that can step into that uh, towards the end there. But I made sure I looked him in the eye and told him, uh, very authentically that I thanked him for being my dad. I mean, what else can you say? Uh, and uh, I believe that uh, as many others do that we, before we come into this dimension, if you will, before we come into this incarnation that uh, we choose our parents uh, and uh, some other circumstances in life based on some of the things we want to experience and learn and work with. And I think I did pick my parents and I think I know why and I think I picked well. Um, my dad was a very dynamic man who traveled all over the world. He spoke four languages. He was a decorated hero in World War II. He did other work for the government. He was in inter international sales, um, exporting uh, for 40 years. He worked for the same company. We grew up. We never had to want for anything. We weren't rich or anything, but we had a comfortable, secure uh, home life. And you can't ask for more than that, filled with love. And... Um, so I thanked him and uh, uh, he, you know, he tapped me a few times on my fore, forearm, uh, kind of letting me know that he was appreciative. And I'm really glad I had a chance to do that. And I also I also did what I could to connect my parents because my mom's a little teetering now and her and my dad were in the same room the same kind of living room of the house for a while. And, uh, you know, when you have the Parkinson's thing, you're not doing a lot of talking. So they were kind of there, but they weren't connecting and they'd been together for 67 years. So I did what I could to, uh, have them kind of express their show in their own way, uh, signs of love for each other. So I actually helped my dad write a love note to my mother, basically thanking her for their life together. And then I had him sign it and then I gave it to her and, um, she was very pleased. And I think he was pleased. And I think, uh, I don't know what happened to the note now, uh, got swept up with everything else, but, um, and it was just more symbolic than anything, uh, to put them together. But I think that's important also that sometimes when people are together so long, and when the end is near, they don't realize that, you know, this is a time to reconnect and to really reestablish and validate uh, for one last time uh, that that love. Because whatever the question is, whatever the question may be, love is always the answer. This is Guys Guys Radio. I'm going to see you next week. Remember, like I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first.